Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful lawyer. Today, I have the great pleasure of sitting down with Brad Miller, who checks all of those boxes as a lawyer himself and an expert around the country to help other attorneys become the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Uh, Brad is smart enough to explain how he never wanted to be a solo lawyer running his own law practice, but he graduated from law school, passed the bar, and the job market for those without guaranteed post-graduation employments was sparse. So to pay the bills, he, he reluctantly rented an office across the hall from a law school buddy, pulled the old Saul Goodman, set up a card table, and waited for the phone to ring. During his legal career, he's been a true solo. He's partnered with other lawyers. He was part of one of the first virtual law firms in the entire country and was, of course, uh, of counsel to a small business law firm. He's had a bootstrap and learned how to both practice law and run a business on the fly. I think that sounds familiar for all of us. He's seen recessions, economic booms, and of course, pandemics. And now in addition to running his own law practice, he helps solo and small firm lawyers transform their law practices from something that causes stress and dictates their lives to a businesses that provide them with the life they want all while being a dad to a five-year-old. <laughs> if that sounds like what I do, it's because it's very similar. Obviously we do different things, but with the same results, which is why we have Brad on because I love what he's doing. Um, he helps lawyers doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, focusing in personal transformation, law practice design, getting clients and running a law business. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I am super excited. I always like talking to somebody else that is willing to put the prioritization of their own children in their bio because it should be a lot more common, but it's not. So I'm glad that we we're here together. Um, our last episode, we had Jacqueline Foster on. Jacqueline talked to us about legal staffing strategies, an innovative approach for profitability and growth. Jacqueline's company offers uh, 1099 as well as sort of business consulting when it comes to the staffing part of it and helping you figure out when to start adding people. Great episode to watch for anybody who struggles with that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, probably all of us as law firm owners. Uh, but enough about that. Today, we're gonna dive in. We're talking to Brad about how you become the modern lawyer, how to be adaptable, client-focused, and forward-thinking. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, so adaptable, I guess, let's just take these one at a time. So adaptable, what, what, how does a lawyer become adaptable? What is, what is the key to, or I guess, what's the definition of adaptability from a law firm perspective that we're talking about here? Um, I think adaptability is really just being able to change with the times. Um, you know, things are going so fast nowadays with, with technology advances and, you know, pandemics and all kinds of stuff. And so, Adaptability is really just the, the ability to change with uh, kind of what's going on in the world around us. Um, unfortunately, there's still a lot of lawyers who I don't think are very good at this. And so um, that's, that's definitely a key to good be successful. Yeah. I, um, I watched the friends, I guess, reunion mm. um, and they had the, the famous, you know, pivot, pivot, pivot. And I just kept thinking about everybody over the last, you know, 16 months, like pivoting your firm, especially, anybody doing, you know, foreclosure work while, uh, while that's been on hold or criminal defense while there weren't, wasn't court for so long and whatnot. Um, so from that standpoint of adaptability, like what are the firms that are adaptable? Like what is, what is the backbone behind that? Like what do they put in place to allow them to be adaptable? Um, I, I think some of it 
it goes a lot of it goes back to a really strong sense of leadership i think um the the firms who are able to change who are adaptable um have have people leading them that are willing to change um so like i said so many lawyers right now are are still very hesitant um you know the law is a conservative industry and so there's a lot of lawyers who don't want to change they like the way things are the status quo it, it's it's worked for us before in the past why why change now um unfortunately though because things are changing around us and so you have to have someone who's leading the charge willing to say you know what yeah maybe things have been pretty good but things are changing and if we keep on the same way we are now without doing anything differently uh we're gonna get left in the dust so we need to be proactive and, and kind of take these steps now and and again i think a lot of it comes from kind of leadership the people who have the say and making these changes happen in the firm yeah i mean i hear similar things and i always think like that's what blockbuster thought and you know like oh netflix this little annoying fly and the next thing you know there's like i think one blockbuster video still around what is so that the change and when you talk about change i mean we're not necessarily saying changing to a different leader we're talking about a lot of times that leader changing right what are the common what are the common tweaks you see law firm owners making or at least what's like that first step towards putting themselves in the position to be ready to change pivot adapt overcome etc it's it's a willingness to do it um i mean they have to be willing to take that step that um there's a lot of fear in change and it keeps a lot of us from from doing those things that we need to do but you need to have someone who's willing to take you know to be afraid uh, to be a little uncomfortable because you are stepping out of your comfort zone of uh, these firms and these leaders who are doing this but um you know take that step to be and realize that again we can't keep where we are now we have to make some changes to um you know to be able to face what's going forward here yeah and i'm a big extreme ownership kind of guy and so i think all of our problems as law firm owners fall back on ourselves but at the same time, it's a lot easier for us to change ourselves than it is for us to change other people. And so you sort of have the, I guess, double-edged sword of being the problem, but also having an easier time with the solution. Yeah, I mean, it's something similar to what I do with my daughter. Like she's, you know, she's five, almost six here. So she's very impressionable right now. And if I try to tell her something directly, she's just not going to do it. Like she's going to do the opposite of what I tell her. So really what I have to do is I have to show her through my own actions and the things that I say, how I want her to behave, you know, so she'll, they'll mirror what she sees from me. Is that acceptable? And the same thing I think in law firms is you need the owners, the people who are in charge to be able to mirror what they want the law firm to do, what it want to be, and then allow the others to kind of follow along with that. I could have used your, uh, my child had his last swim lesson this morning and I could have used your parenting advice. The, um, it's always, it's always funny though. You see like parent, uh, kids of lawyers versus kids of, I'm going to go with normal parents. Uh, it's always funny. The experiences that we put ourselves through when our child starts questioning us or talking back to us with like a very well-reasoned argument. I get that all the time. Yeah. She, like logic and like, it perfectly makes sense. And you're like, how do you even know like the words that you were saying here? Like, but it just, yeah, they pick it do, up. Do you find, so, so we've got this law firm owner, they're struggling. They know they need to change. They're, they're on that first step. They know that, you know, I guess the 12 step process, right. Admitting of a problem. Do you find a consistent change being needed among law firm owners, or do you find those changes being unique to everybody? 
Um, I think there is some uniqueness. I mean, just because firms have their own um, their own characteristics or identities, and there are everyone's coming from a little bit different place. So there's there's slightly differences in where things are. Um, <clears throat> there's, I mean, there's definitely some similarities. I think there's, um, you know, working remote is one of the big things that's come up recently. Um, so how do you handle that? How do you treat those situations? Now we're starting to come back. Is remote still a thing? Um, are we going to let people work from home? Like, what does that look like? Um, so there are definitely some things that are common throughout um, as well like that. Um, but again, it, it really is dependent just because firms, they have those differences. Um, and so being able to kind of hit those. So when you're working with these firm owners to help them become adaptable, how much of it is them saying, hey, Brad, this is my problem, and how much of it is you working with them to sort of uncover where they need to change, where they need to make those tweaks? Most people, most firms don't know what the problem is. Okay. And that's one of the really big things that I, as a, and a coach can help do is to come up and say, um, you know, it looks like here is where you're running into some problems. Here are the blocks. Here are the, um, you know, the, the walls that you're hitting. Um, and now let's see what we do to get around them. Um, you know, most you know, most of us are blind to our own issues. And so that's why it's nice to have me come in as a kind of an outside third party to be able to see these things and, and kind of bring them to your attention. Because uh, again, most of them don't have that, can't, don't realize what that is going into it themselves. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel the same way from a, I, I mean, I guess not from a personal injury attorney standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint, there are always times where we're like, just need to bring in an expert. I know, I know they're going to give me the same advice I'd give myself, but I just can't see it. So yeah, and that's um, what we say that we tell our clients. You know, this is why they hire us because we can see the problems, how to solve them, and they can't a lot of times. So, and then so you're kind of helping them uncover what these issues are. At what point are they allowed to sort of switch from reactive into proactive? You know, like obviously you've got this firm that's struggling. There are some changes that have to make to keep the lights on, keep the doors open. But then at some point they're able to sort of take ownership or agency of the situation and start working towards the changes they want to see happen. Obviously, like, you know, you and I being able to prioritize time with our kids, where do you see a law firm owner being able to get to that point or at least start making steps towards that? I mean, ideally right away. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a step one, step two, step three is more of just little things need to be worked on. And one of the first things I think really to work on is that trying to be proactive is doing some planning. Um, you know, one of the first exercises I usually run a, a, a lawyer through is kind of a, a vision what they want their life to be like, first of all, and then how do we create kind of that practice that's going to give them that life. And that has to start at the beginning because that really underlines and underscores everything else going forward. Um, you know, it goes from that being reactive and kind of, you know, putting out fires every single day to, all right, let's be intentional about what we're doing. And that's an intentional is really one of the words I kind of focus on is, um, you know, taking the intention of what you want to happen. And then we start taking steps and playing towards that. I, I always love having guests on room. Like we do that too. I mean, and I just like, it's great to see these commonalities. You know, I always talk to firm owners, how much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? And what do you actually want to be doing during that work? And then obviously we're not sitting down with them one-on-one -on -one to execute those plans. But when we put the marketing in place, you know, if they don't want to be the face of the firm, we're not going to put a podcast around them. But if they do, then, you know, that's an option. And so I just, I love that concept um, on that one-to-one, -one, you know, business coaching level, really trying to hammer out what do you want out of your firm? Because I think that's, you know, what's the point of having a business if it's not going to fund the life that you want to have?
Exactly. So anything else you want to make sure we cover as we talk about that adaptable component before we switch over to client focused? I mean, everything really fall. I think they're kind of together. Um, and again, it just, it's all the mindset is just being willing to, to a change and to be willing to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. And, and the beauty of it is although your mindset changes, the concept of mindset doesn't really change. You know, like the tactics will always change, but you having that growth mindset, the abundance mindset, the, you know, whatever it is that you need to lead the firm in the right manner that you want, like that's going to be pretty consistent. You're just going to execute it in different manners over time. Right. All right. So client focus. And I always love this one because mm -hmm. I want to say, 85% of our clients, when we talk to them about their individual unique selling proposition, whatever, always goes back to we are client focused or we are client centric. And I'm waiting for that one lawyer who's like, I don't really care about my clients. I haven't come, thankfully, at least as a client, haven't come across um, having any of them. But so what, what does that really mean though? What does being client focused actually mean? So this is one of those, this is one of those terms that so many like I said, so many firms think that they're doing, but they, you know, they're, they're creating everything around their clients. Client centric is that we are working to make the client, ex the, the experience of working with our firm um, better for the client. That every time that we're putting something, we're making a change in place with our firm. We're always thinking, how's this going to benefit our client or what can we do to make this a better experience for the client? Most lawyers, I think, have the wrong idea in their heads that when we say client-centric, that that means that it has to be client first, and that's not the case, because that's when you end up doing the long hours. That's when you you know are answering your phone at two in the morning or on the weekends and doing work and things, and and that's where you start getting into the burnout and things like that because you're so focused on the client that you're not taking care of yourself, your business, the other things that are priorities in your life, like your kids. I love it. I, and I just, and it's tough because I think you nailed this point so well, because I think a lot of attorneys hear that and think, well, how do I balance those two things? But really what you're saying is those are, those are the same thing because if you're burned out and fried, you're not going to be a good advocate for your clients. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've never heard of a client of a, of an attorney who's like, uh, this is, this, you know, I'm, I'm burned out. I'm just having a rough time, but being able to give, you know, a plus service to their clients, it doesn't happen. No, it makes total sense. And the other thing I think a lot of attorneys can do to be better to their clients is charge more, which sounds like a weird thing that it would be worse for the client, but ultimately, you know, more client or fewer clients at a higher rate allows you to put more time and attention on each individual one and customize it um, while still being able to get responses to clients in a timely manner. Yep, definitely. So what are some of the other ways, I guess, I guess we probably have to start with how do you transition your firm towards being client focused instead of just putting the client first, sometimes to the client's detriment unknowingly. So I think it starts at, because every time there are so many touch points that your client has in your firm. And so for me, it, it's taking a look at from the very first contact that someone might have with your firm, the marketing that you put out, what does that look like and how is that impacting the, the client? How is it, making it easier or harder for them to interact with you and just going through every single process, every single touch point a client has 
with you as a lawyer, with you as a firm, uh, and just breaking it down, you know, kind of stepping, taking a step back and saying, okay, so if I was a client and I was trying to contact this firm to set up a consultation or see if, you know, if I, we could work together, what does that look like? Like how easy is it to do? And then actually go through and try the process out. Like try to go on your website, find where the link is, or how easy is it for me to get the phone number to call? Like, what do I have to do? Is there copy and pasting? Do I have to write it down? Like little details like that. And you as an attorney, write this, you know, go through it and, and go through this process. Have your staff members or outside third parties come through and do the same thing, you know, kind of the idea of the mystery shopper here, but just to get people's feedback of what it's like to work with you all the way from, you know, start meeting you online all the way to, um, you know, paying their bills and saying, you know, peace out with you. Um, and, but just go through every little step like that and see, you know, ask yourself, how can I make this a better experience for the client? Yeah. It's, it's one of those, sometimes lawyer, so for, from a personal injury standpoint, sometimes lawyers or chiropractors or doctors are the worst clients, but a lot of times they're the best clients because they will go through it and they will give you really honest, genuine feedback from a true client perspective. And so as much as I love go through it yourself, have your staff go through it, it's always interesting to get like, if your best friend hires you for legal services, like treat them like a normal client and really get their feedback because you will hear the most amazing things. I know we had, um, we have a, a business consultant as one of our clients and he was like, Hey, I got too many emails at this point because everything had to be signed on its own page. So we went in, swapped it, had, you know, reviewed it for everybody else. And other people commented on how great it was to have it be more simplistic. I don't know, fewer signatures. Um, and it's something I never would have thought of. And so I just, I love that really right. going through the clients, go through the client's shoes or ask yeah. them about it. Yeah, exactly. Ask them about it. That's key. Like actually ask them about it and then take what they say to heart. Like, don't just dismiss as like, oh, well, that was just them, but actually like look into what they're saying and then see how you can make that better. If a client sees that you're actually implementing, things are going to fix the problems they brought to you. You're really going to dear them um, to you that way. They're going to say, you know what? They really care. They're really taking what I say to heart. Um, and this is somebody that I want to work with. Yeah. And I just, I just want to hedge that slightly. You know, if you, if you have a thousand clients and one of them is like, Hey, I really didn't like this one really specific thing. Don't necessarily change it. But when you have that client, you trust to give you the right advice or when you start hearing it consistently, excuse me, then you better start incorporating that stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're going to have the outlier, the one or two people that doesn't really work for them, but it's all great feedback. And maybe the point is like, Hey, here's a different way for you to do it. Or, you know, you kind of explain it off to that person, but. Um. So in terms of client focus, are there any, I don't want to call them tricks. Let's, I guess tips, tips you have on client focus, things you've consistently seen clients implement that have really, you know, moved the needle well. Um, one of the big, well, I, some of the big things that, that, um, I think that more the lawyers are starting to implement that's helping with that are, um, allowing for online payments. So credit card payments. So make it easy for clients to pay you like that's to your benefit. That's to their benefit. Like I, there's still so many lawyers who either they won't accept credit cards or like the only way you can pay is like you have to call into the firm and go through this long process and, you know, make it easy so they can just like, you know, they're on Amazon, one click it, like make it easy to do that. Um, you know, and that's, I think that's something that, that, um, that firms can do that makes things a lot more uh, client centric for them. 
Um, Along those lines, also e-signature. Please, dear God, everybody listening to this, whether you're a lawyer or not, if you don't have e-signature, I'm not hiring you. Like, I am not printing out a contract and signing it and scanning it and sending it back unless, unless, like, my financial advisor sent me this thing and, and he knows me well enough to be like, look, you cannot e-sign this one document. This one has to be a wet signature. All of these can be e-signed. I was like, all right, no problem. You got me. Like, it is it is not you. It is compliance. It is the government. It is, you know, whatever. But, um, yes, yeah. That was actually the next thing I was going to say is oh, being able to sorry. make it easy for them to sign up with you and doing things by e-signatures and having documents that you can email back and forth and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it used to be that people would come into your office and they'd sit down with you and then you'd give them a stack of papers or maybe you'd mail them a, an engagement letter in the mail and they'd sign it and send it back and all that stuff. And again, things have changed. Like you can't do that. If you try to go that process you're at least losing a week, if not longer. They may be talking to somebody else at that, that time. Like have something, you know, email it to them. Have them so they can make some clicks, e-sign it, get it back to you. Um, you know, I've had people who I've talked with them on the phone, you know, within a, a, under an hour. I've had them signed up because I'm able to do everything electronically. Um, so that's, that's definitely, and again, the really ironic thing about a lot of these things are is yes, they are client centric. They're really enhancing the client experience, but they really impact you, make your firm better. Like your experience as a lawyer also better because now you're not chasing people down to get things signed, documents, um, you know, wondering, are they going to send back? Are they going to hire me? It's right there. Like, you know, the payments coming through right away. You're not waiting for checks to clear. Is it going to back all that stuff? It's like, you know, and so you got to think it's not just the clients. You're actually helping yourself too when you do many of these things. Well, and printing less, using less paper, using fewer stamps, using fewer envelopes, um, the time to address all those things versus just typing, you know, punching in an email. You know, a lot of those systems now that will also for, will force you to e-sign through a templated contract. And so now you're not spending, you know, 10 minutes changing every contract. You're spending 45 seconds going through it. I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's amazing. And I, at this point, I'm almost impressed if you've not, if, if somebody has had their firm running through 16 months of COVID now without being online and without taking credit cards, like I'm almost impressed more than aggravated. I, I don't know how they're getting paid if that's the case, if they're. I don't know. They're, they're driving the clients with their own hazmat suit and then grabbing the check. For, I don't know. I have no with big, idea. With the big, with the big like tongs or something like holding it out. There we go. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the six foot picker upper. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Client focus. Anything else before we talk about forward thinking? Communication again is, is a big thing. I think um, client portals is a great thing that you can do. Um, you know, as opposed to uh, trying to email everything back and forth or worry about phone calls. You know, if you have a way that clients can get online and look and see what's going on, or you can share documents through that that can help a lot. Um, but again, communication, anything like that, that you can make the interactions between attorney and, and client a lot easier. Those are places I think to look and really focus on. And if that is the best example you talked about where that's better for both sides, you know, mm -hmm. I love, I, I don't understand if you're a lawyer and you don't love text messages. Cause I'm like, it's like having a court reporter for my life. Like we sent this on this time at this date, emails the same way. You know, you have those clients like you didn't tell me about this, and I'm always like, these are the 17 emails that you got about blah blah blah. So yeah, and that's a that's the ability thing that a lot of times it's just this is something new. 
this is something that I'm not familiar with. And so, you know. Makes perfect sense. And now we're going to get to my favorite one, forward thinking. <laughs> this is this is the one that I do not hear that many attorneys talk about being, you know, look, we want to we want to accommodate the market. We want to be client focused. But like forward thinking in the concept of the legal space, it's almost the antithesis of what we're taught in our legal ivory towers. Yeah. And, and this is like so I, I, I came up with this whole thing, I don't know, six years ago, I think it was um, with the, with the three points. Um, and I actually kind of like how it turned out because now everyone uses innovation and that's kind of gotten a bad rap. Um, you know, so it's not people, you know, kind of shrug when they hear it, whatever, but, but it's really kind of the idea of being innovative. It's what can we do that's going to give us a, a, a leg up on everybody else. Um, because there's so much competition out there nowadays, you know, it's, it's definitely a buyer's market when it comes to legal services. How do I set myself apart from not only the other attorneys down the street, but the legal zooms, your, you know, rocket lawyers or those other um, online programs and things like that, that are offering legal type services. See, and that's where I sort of love it from the standpoint of like, I've been talking to people about building their own brand till I'm blue in the face for God knows how long. And now finally I'm like, look, that's how you beat legal zoom. That's how you beat, you know, somebody being cheaper. You really make them want you, your brand, your firm's brand, your, you know, whatever it is along those lines. Um, but I don't know that that's innovative anymore. I think now we finally caught up to brand building as a, as a key component of building a firm. Yeah. I think that brand building is a necessity nowadays. I think you have to have some sort of a brand because otherwise you're just going to get lost. Like I'm not, not even like distinguish yourself. You're just going to get totally lost and everything else. If you don't have a, a, some sort of a brand or clear, you know, message about who you are. See, I have the, everybody has a brand, but if you're not the one creating yours, you have no idea what it is. But I guess that may, you may be even more correct now that we are at what 1.3, 1.4 million attorneys, not having a brand may just be, I don't know, 1.2 of those. <laughs> so what, is it a firm that has to be forward thinking? Is it the leader of the firm? Is it somebody at the firm? Is it a culture thing? Like, where does this forward thinking come in? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it does, I, again, I, a lot of this stuff does come to the leaders of the firm. You know, the, the you know, if you're obviously if you're a solo, it's totally you. But if you've got a smaller firm, um, you know, if you're the an owner of the firm, if you're a managing partner or whatever like that, you know. A lot of has come to you because if, you know, if the associates or the staff are pushing for something, you're not buying it, it doesn't matter what they want. And so really it has to be kind of coming from the top. Now, a lot of the, the ideas can come from bottom. You know, a lot of the best ideas actually come from staff members who are on the ground seeing these things and are saying, you know what, this is not, this doesn't really make sense while we're doing this. Can we, I think we can do this better. And here, you know, X, Y, Z is what we can do. Um, and you're not going to push that up the chain. But again, it goes back to the people at the top are the ones who have to green light it. They're the ones who have to flip the switch and make it happen. Um, so but it needs to be throughout. To those owners listening, when you have that frontline staff member, low-level staff member, whatever you want to call them, who has those ideas, please, dear God, like do what you can to incorporate it or honor them or explain to them why it's not being incorporated because like that is somebody totally going above and beyond to be like, hey, if we change X, I think it would be better. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, so I think some of the best ideas come from the frontline staff people, those who are dealing with clients on a day-to-day -day basis, who are answering your phones, who are, you know, actually there on the ground doing stuff. If they've got things that are going to make 
their job easier, I can almost guarantee you it's going to make the firm more money. It's yeah, going to allow them to be more efficient, do more things, make the clients happier, something. It's, it's, it's going to come back in spades if you do that. Yeah, we had my um, my intake person was like, hey, can, she uh, ended up covering for somebody else for a couple of weeks and was like, hey, can we get a stamp with our address? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why? And she's like, oh, because on certified letters, I'm writing our address like six times. I was like, great. Here we go. Stamp. And that's, you know, 30 seconds on every letter times God knows how many letters every week times, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it was great. And something I never would have thought of because I have the worst handwriting. So me addressing anything is totally wasteless. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a great example. So what, how different is this innovation and forward thinking going to be from firm to firm? I mean, it really, I think there's some big higher level issues. So you've got, you know, how do we make things more client centric? How do we um, really distinguish ourselves kind of some of the, the branding concepts and, you know, things like that. But I mean, you're going to get granular too. You're going to get down to the details of, you know, the, the, the changes like getting a stamper. I mean, that's, that's a great example of something that's, it's, it's a very small little detail, but you start with something small. And then the next thing, you know, the staff members come back with another idea and then there's got another idea and it just kind of, it, it establishes a, an atmosphere of willingness to listen to those ideas and to be able to make changes that are going to impact everybody and make things better for the clients, for the staff, whatnot. Um, and so it's, it's, it's big, it's little, it, it's across the, it's across the gamut really when it comes to these changes. So we're not necessarily talking about like rewriting the law and creating a brand new case law. I mean, we can be talking about something as simple as changing a very small process to provide a better result, a faster result, you know, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Everybody wants the big, sexy, big change and that's great. And sometimes it happens. And if you can have one of those big things, all the power to you. But most of the time, it's little changes. It's just a little incremental steps. And they may not seem like much on their own. But when you kind of step back and see, like, where did we start and where are we now, those little incremental steps really add up. And they can end up being a big change at the end. You just may not notice it at the time. Yeah, they have a thing. If you get 1% better every day, you are 37 times better over the course of the year. Yep. which is crazy to think. It's like uh, 1%. You know, if you're running a, I, I was going to say if you're running a 10 minute mile, but then I can't do that math because it's off of 60 <laughs> seconds, not a hundred. So uh, what it, if you make 10, if you make a hundred bucks uh, on day one, you make 101 days. By the end of it, you've, you've doubled it 37 times. Yeah. Crazy. So where, I, I guess, where does a firm owner start? Like they know, are there, they know they have problems or everybody has problems. Like what is that beginning of, Hey, it's time to commit to being adaptable, being more client focused, being forward thinking, hiring Brad, like what, what do they go through? So I, like, I think you just mentioned everybody probably has something in their practice that could be better. Like, I don't think any of us have the gold standard. There's nothing that can be better than this practice. Um, I mean, if they did, they wouldn't be listening to us today if that was the case. So, um, I mean, I think the fact that they are listening, you know, either live or kind of in the, in the, um, in the future says that there's something about their practice that they know can be better. 
maybe it's they want to make more money maybe it's that they want to grow they want to bring on more people um maybe they are feeling burnout or they aren't really doing things that they want they're not spending time with their kids they're they don't want to do the weekends and the long late hours anymore and so it it really takes someone saying you know i need something needs to change something needs to happen here because i the way things are going is not going to get better um and again it may be a positive thing it's necessarily like a bad thing you know maybe just i want to make more money but they know that what got them where they are now is not going to get them to that next level and the only way they're going to be able to get that next level is to kind of have is to get help and i know that's hard for lawyers to say because we don't like to ask for help we like to think we can do everything ourselves but um that's that's kind of the first step is you know saying hey you know what i'm an alcoholic you know and, and i need some help yeah i mean i was i was 200 something thousand dollars in debt on the firm i was working 60 65 hours a week uh, we had nothing really consistent going on and then my wife was like hey congrats we're pregnant and i was like oh awesome uh and then what are we gonna do and it took me i mean my kids over three so this would have been you know over four years ago or maybe right at four years ago um it took a long time to get to it but i would say over the last two two and a half years like i would not have changed the crap that i went through because that's what really forced me to build that solid foundation that goes into a lot of what you're talking about here yeah you know, it's, uh, I joke with everybody. I feel like Andy Dufresne, you know, going through the tunnel of poop to get out of the prison so that he can get to, uh, whatever the city is in, in, uh, Mexico. Yeah. But that's yeah. what a lot of us go through. And, and the problem is, I guess, I, let me rephrase. The problem is what a lot of attorneys go through is never getting through the tunnel of fecal matter. It's just staying in there and not making the changes. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's fear, you know, and you know, that may be one of the, the, the a big takeaway is that you know, it's, it's all based on fear. And the only way that they're going to get things better is to acknowledge that, yep, it, it might suck. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, it, it could be great. It could be bad. I don't know. But the only way I'm going to find out is to take that first step and do it. And the, the beauty of that is what's the worst that happens on this process? You don't like the changes and you revert back to what was going on before. But I can't imagine that being the case because, like you said, there's always going to be an issue somewhere. There's always something we can work on. We could always get better at something. Yeah. And one of my favorite phrases is um, everything uh, always has been, currently is, and will always be fine. You know, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? You die. Well, you know what? Now don't have to worry about it anymore because you're, you're gone, right? So, um, you know what? The worst thing that can happen, eh, it, it's, you know, don't, not, not, not a big deal. So let's, let's, let's jump out and try. As an optimistic nihilist, that really spoke to my core being. Uh, you know, one day the sun will explode. So who cares about this client who's mad at you for a 15 minute uh, deadline? There you go. So as we get towards the end here, I mean, what else do we need to cover? What else do we need to talk about? What do you want to make sure that we share? I, th I think, you know, attorneys are strapped by fear and conservatism. Like we don't like to make changes. And again, it ultimately goes back to fear, I suppose. Um, you know, we're, we're comfortable with status quo, with what we know, um, even when it is not the best situation. Like, you know, you're working 60 hours a week, you know, you're overworked, you know that you've got, you know, a lot of stuff going on, you're missing out on family things, the stuff you want to be doing, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. Like we, we kind of get, we know these things and we get them. Um, but yet we still aren't willing to take that step to change. 
you know, we're still think, you know, we're still more afraid of changing and what could be than we are where we are now. Um, and it's, it seems kind of crazy, you know, and, and it's not just lawyers, but, you know, especially lawyers, um, because we are so kind of risk averse by nature, I think, um, you know, we don't like to take those steps, but that's the only way that you're going to change, make any changes to kind of push that edge of that comfort zone out, um, you know, and do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. And I always, it's funny you mention it that way, because I always hear it like, what are, you know, what are Dan and Susie going to think about this? Like, what are, what are the random attorneys that are at the other end of my office going to think about when I do this? It's never like, what's John Morgan going to think? Or what's Jose Baez going to think? Or what's, uh, you know, some super famous, wealthy, successful attorney? It's always like, yeah, you know, the, the people that I run into at the bar meetings, like they're going to be like, you're such a fraud for doing this. And then I always want to go back to them with like, I promise you, if you sat down and really got to know that person, they would have some other terrible issue. They would have something going wrong for them. They would have something that they could be better at. And they're not that concerned about you being, you know, successful by wearing your Hawaiian shirt on a Facebook live instead of a full suit or something stupid like that. Yep. All right. So our next episode, uh, that's going to air next Monday. Monday the 21st, 1.30 Eastern time. We've got John Strohmeyer on. For those of you that don't know John, he is a great person to chat with. He has the Five Star, uh, Five Star Council podcast. We're going to talk about the top ways to perfect your client custom, your client's customer service experience. Cannot speak. Um, John's the kind of guy who has his dogs listed as his HR rep and employees at his office on his law firm website and just really incorporates who he is into what he does. And so I always love talking with him about it. Um, specifically, this will be the intersection of marketing and customer service. So I'm excited for that. But I'm not going to let you go yet, Brad, because we need your biggest takeaway. So if somebody's been listening for the last, I don't know, 40 minutes, and they remember nothing that you talked about except what you're about to share here, what is your biggest piece of advice, that diamond nugget of wisdom for how somebody else can become the exhibit A of a successful attorney as well? The The key is being the planning ahead is to look at what you want your life to look like and then going back and saying what do i need to uh, to do with my law firm to get there most lawyers work backwards we kind of design our or live our lives around what our law practice gives us if we have to be in the office till eight o'clock every night we work our lives around it um, you know, if that means we miss our kids events and things, you know, that's what that's what it takes. Um, but the, the the key to being happy with what you do, happy as a lawyer, happy with your practice is to take it the other way around and start with where you want the end to be. What do you want your life to be like? And then start breaking that down to what does my practice have to be to give me that? And when you do it that way, when you start living or start planning from the goal versus where you are now and kind of adapting, uh, you know, that's the way you truly make strides and truly reach those, um, those goals that you have for your life. As someone who flipped that switch, trust me, I know what you are going through on the first end of it, but it's like getting in your car without knowing where you're going and then wondering if you're closer to where you don't know that you're trying to get to. And it just, you will never have an idea of what you're doing is right or not if you don't know where you want to end up. Yeah, and I've used that same analogy. Like you know, the, the road you need a map to know where you're. You need to know where you're going, and then a map 
And if you don't have an idea where you're headed to, you're never going to get there. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, we've got your, let's see, we've got um, your LinkedIn, the New Modern Lawyers LinkedIn, the New Modern Lawyer on Facebook, and your website, and then your podcast. So can you talk a little bit about your podcast and what people can expect? Uh, so my podcast is appropriately named the New Modern Lawyer Podcast. And uh, in the podcast now, I think we've got about six episodes uh, at this point, but um, just kind of break some of these things down that lawyers, solo small firm lawyers are kind of going through. Um, the most recent one that we just came out with um, early this week was talking about expenses and how lawyers and especially younger new lawyers, but really any solo small firm lawyers, um, not all things that we pay for, not all costs in a firm are equal. Some of them are investments into the growth of our practices. Others are just expenses, kind of money going out the door. And so kind of just talking about the difference between the two and some areas, including marketing, where you can look and really look at things as an investment to help grow your practice. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.